0: from RTHK
1: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat I'm Jim Gould and Mike Rouse is guest presenter. Good morning Mike Good morning Jim On today's programme, we're talking about plans to establish a major technology hub as part of the Northern Metropolis development, aspiring to become uh, Hong Kong's Silicon Valley. The uh, 627-hectare Sun Tin Technopole, as it's called, could create at least 165,000 innovation and technology jobs on an area of land the size of 17 science parks. The Development Bureau has said that besides public tendering, plots could be offered by means such as restricted tendering or direct land grants. Meanwhile, green groups have expressed concerns about the possible effect on the environment of development in the area. How much of an impact uh, would the new centre have in boosting IT and R&D capabilities? Uh, would relaxed tendering rules encourage more tech companies to apply? After 9.45, we'll look into the launch of Hong Kong's uh, digital currency trial. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message here on our Facebook page. Uh, that's at Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 266 Joining us now, we have in our Admiralty studio, um, William Wong, lawmaker hey. and associate dean of engineering, uh, the engineering faculty at the Chinese University, and on the line, uh, Ryan Ip, vice president and co-head of research at the uh, Hong Kong Foundation. Uh, good morning to you both. Hello, Jim. Good morning. Hello, uh, good, Mike. Good morning, um, um, William Wong. If we can come to you first, uh, please. So, so this uh, Technopole development—it was first uh, announced uh, in 2021. Um, we're finding out more details about it now. How important is it going to be in driving forward uh, the development of uh, innovation and technology?
2: Uh, well, one of the thing, the strategy that one of the strategies that we have to do is to uh, close connection or close collaboration uh, with Shenzhen. And for this reason, we had this uh, Lomchow Loop, but mm-hmm. uh, the Lomchow Loop is only 87 acre. It uh, 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 was a little bit small, and then and, and then uh, the, the 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 Northern Metropolis uh, Development Area uh, was one of the um, means to actually extend the land the lands uh, over over uh, in the Lomchow Loop. I think this is the right thing to do, but it's because, because once we have announced this not much our loop uh, on the other side of the river in Shenzhen, they actually uh, created a park about uh, 300 acres, I think, acres. So uh, in, in 2021, in the uh, policy address, uh, we actually was uh, uh, trying to do some extension. And for this reason, um, we decided that at that time, we only said that we we're going to uh, at 150 acre more, but the new announcements actually said that it would be 300. I think this is the right thing to do. I mean, you really need, uh, uh, you know, good size of land to attract um, sort of uh, major players to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And what sort of major players are we talking about? Uh, it could uh, be anything. Could, yeah. I mean, uh, like, like, like the Lokmachal Loop itself is actually uh, w- w- aimed to do... Uh, life and medical, biomedical uh, engineering. uh, And then uh, we are now talking about uh, new energy and new materials, uh, AI and big data, uh, uh, as well as, as as, uh, you know, uh, electric cars, smart cities. These are the things that we, in in the
3: policy address, actually mention. Right. Mm -hmm. Good morning. I'm just wondering, this... uh, Conglomerations, pulling together this IT activity, sounds uh, it's going to create a whole centre of gravity. Um, Shenzhen and Hong Kong together. Will that gradually pull people away from, say, Hong Kong Island or urban Kowloon?
2: That's meant to be. Uh, there, there was the. If you read the policy address, it, it, it did actually mention about decentralisation. Uh, it mm-hmm. was expected <clears> about uh, two hundred and fifty million. Uh, uh, 2, 2.5 million people would expect it to to move to the northern uh, metropolis district. Uh, if you if you read the uh, 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 and then and then uh, out of that, as you just mentioned, uh, there will be something like uh, uh, at least 15 or 16 thousand jobs in that area for, for innovation and technology people, uh, and that's what we what well, that's what we need. I mean, I mean, I think I think eventually we'll look at the thing uh, really uh, highly uh, collaborative area. Uh, you would expect, we will hope that it will be a special zone uh, where, where uh, people working there are free to travel across the border. Or in fact, the, the, the border itself is, is going to be very vague.
3: Right. That was going to be my next question. Because pulling people together on one side of the boundary and then having a old well, you need them to be going backwards and forwards all the time. Even Why not? With it, Even within the day. Why not? I mean, look at, look at uh, uh, Chongying Street. Right. Look is at it, that one. It's gonna be mean, a in huge... In fact,
2: when you look at history yeah. that happened before, uh, uh, there was a, there was something called the international bridge, uh, which is actually across the border at that time, uh, during the uh, during the, uh, uh, the, the 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 British uh, you know colonial uh, 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 period uh, uh, the, the, the farming or the or the, uh, or the or the or the the farming fields was actually uh, over in the mainland side i think mm-hmm. and then the 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 residence was actually uh over in hong kong side and then they had a special bridge across mm-hmm. that and there were permits and yes. i think as i know up to now they still hold something like 30 or 40 per permits
3: yes mm-hmm. there, i remember that era very well because i was in the new territories administration and then you got land lords on one side but Their land is actually on the other side, exactly, and farmers and then, are going going each way, but this is going to be on a, a much bigger scale isn't it
2: I mean, but things changed I mean look at it, look at the transportation, look at the railway lines i mean uh, i mean my, 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 my students for example, uh, they actually live uh, on the border on Shenzhen, on, 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 on Shenzhen, and they travel to the Chinese university daily
3: right mm-hmm. but what governments want uh, doesn't necessarily happen unless individual companies and individuals are excited by it. What, what can we do to make this area more, more attractive? Well, you, you have to put a
2: lot of incentives there. I mean, uh, when we push not just innovation and technology, but, but any type of uh, industry, you need some kind of uh, uh, other things to actually facilities, other facilities to make that happen. For for example, schools, for example, houses, residents, you know, recreation areas even. Mm. So uh, these are important when you are talking about uh, sort of uh, land planning.
4: Mm.
1: Uh, Ryan Ipp, good morning to you. Morning. So the the plans envision a a self-contained community in uh, Sun Tin. Um, Also talking about uh, more than 50,000 homes, but with a, a 70 to 30... Um, public-to-private ratio, is that going to be uh, appropriate given the, the type of uh, professionals that development like this would hope to attract?
4: I think there are a few things that we, we, we should look at. One is um, uh, for this uh, 70% public housing, uh, what kind of public housing would that be? Uh, would that be a lot of public rental housing or would that be a majority home ownership scheme or, or even... The homes, because within the public housing sector, there are also different layers of you know of of of, of public housing, and there are also layers of public housing that they cater for the you know high income earners. That's uh, point number one. Uh, point number two is uh, apart from the housing that is uh, provided in the sort of the residential area, and uh, I remember there are also there all, there would also be housing. Uh, That is provided within the INT areas. Uh, Because if I look at the plan that was uh, launched uh, uh, last week, I think one of the uh, sort of uh, innovative or new things is um, uh, it it, it, it creates a lot of planning uh, flexibility in the sense that um, uh, even if you are a uh, big company getting a site in a a supposedly INT zone, uh, you can build your own. Let's say you can build your own housing, you can build your own, you know, you know, commercial areas. That 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 sort of that resembles something that we see in maybe Shenzhen or Singapore, uh, where we have a very large uh, business park, and then you have a, you, and then you have not only business or industrial users on it, you also have a lot of residential commercial parts on it. So so I think you have to look at the whole, uh, planning at the end. Uh, to to see whether we have you know whether we have the right sort of of housing or, or other provisions.
3: Right, and flexibility is the key there. Ryan, <clears throat> where are we on timing? I mean, the first announcement was 2021. We had a sort of update in the policy address in twenty two. What what's next? And it seems to be not moving that fast.
4: Well, I think um, uh, the the whole plan is. Um, it's set into two phases. Uh, the first phase is sort of the INT park, which is on uh, the Snidey Laws area, which is around 300 hectares. I think that will move a little bit quicker. Uh, ho- hopefully, the government will really go out to the world to attract or to attract the companies that they want to attract, and then directly grant them the land. And then hopefully, this park can move a little bit faster. And the second phase is actually and the southern part, which is the 17, uh, you know, 17 new town areas. And that would take a little bit longer. But I think um, the important thing is, uh, one of the concerns that I have is uh, the infrastructure might not be uh, uh, coming up soon enough. Because uh, based on the currently long timetable, the 17 MTR station of the Northern Link uh, will only be completed in 2034. Meaning that the first intake of the work group, working population will have no, will have to rely on only the road transport. And also, again, secondly, if we if if we look at the phases that I mentioned, many of the amenities are actually included in the phase two in the San Tin Town area. So th- that means that a lot of these amenities will not be available for the first batch residents and the working population who who is going to come in. in the the INT area. And I think this situation is not really ideal. And I really hope the government would review its infrastructure timelines to explore the possibility of speeding that up and minimize the potential inconvenience.
3: Mm -hmm. You Uh, mentioned something very important there about uh, giving direct grants of land to companies that we want to attract. Now, I understand the intellectual justification for this, but I would also remember that Cyberport was very controversial at the time. Um, when Donald announced it uh, in the aftermath of one of his budget speeches, and all we saw was actually uh, imagery of residential buildings. Mm. Um, so this kind of this generated a lot of adverse comment. Are we going to be, be guarding ourselves against that in in something? Uh, first of all, that
4: is uh, you know provide, uh, providing direct land grants as a way to attract foreign investment. It it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon in both uh, in, in under countries, um, but but that being said, um, uh, it, it is not really common in Hong Kong. You uh, know, uh, in, in, in the past, uh, uh, the government the government used to you know only use the tendering system uh, to base only on the highest bidding price because for the government it is the, the safest option and is the most objective. Uh, with the notable uh, exception uh, in this in, in the port, like you mentioned and I think uh, for this time around like the government has to be uh, uh, has to be careful or it has to uh, insert more restrictions on the clauses. For instance if you look at what happens in Singapore uh, first of all uh, they will insert a lot of performance basis indicator uh, in the land grant. For instance uh, if you're a company if, if, if if you get that land, then you have to meet a certain KPI, let's say in 20 uh, years later, uh, let's say within 20 years. Maybe that that KPI may be the number of people that you are hiring or maybe the number of GDP that you are uh, contributing. And if you cannot meet that KPI within a period of time, then the government actually has a right to re-enter the site. Right, take and back the land, yes. Take back the land. If we, enter, if we include these kind of forces in the land ground, that, that, that will give the government a greater control and hopefully uh, we, will not, we will not be repeating what happened uh, what happened in Cyberport.
3: Presumably, then, this will dovetail very well, or it's intended to dovetail well, with this new Office of Strategic uh, Investments, which is running in parallel with Invest Hong Kong.
4: Exactly. I think these two have to work uh, hand in hand. So I think the whole northern chocolate is not only... A land de- development process It's really a you know, industry creation. Is really a you know, company attracting process. So uh, the, the office of attracting strategic companies have to work hand in hand with the I- INT bureau and with the land department on uh, to offer a you know a, a, a total package uh, in terms of the target company uh, right. that we want to attract. But
2: that's, that's the, yeah. the hard part of it. I mean yeah. uh, the yeah. collaboration uh, between the two bureaus or two offices. I mean, uh, recently, you, as you may know, about uh, last week, they have announced the, uh, the 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 land the land design or the or the land planning of that area, uh, and they actually mentioned about uh, the northern part. As I said, that the northern part would be the I uh, INT part, hmm.
1: uh,
2: and then uh, some of the questions that were raised by us was, uh, how do you actually uh, design that area because uh, there may be special needs uh, from the I and D firms. Uh, for example, waste—you uh, know—sewage, uh, wastage, you know, drains, you know, uh, you know, heights of the uh, buildings. These are these are the things. You know, there are special needs required by by in the, by, by the industry by I IND industry. Right. But uh, they, they find it's not easy because uh, if we have to wait until the complete planning of the INT Bureau before starting the planning, uh, it would be too late. And for this reason, as we understand, uh, as just mentioned, uh, they, 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 they have promised uh, to closely collaborate in order to get the thing synchronized.
3: Right. Have, they, have you or any ideas for which kind of companies or particular companies – we should be hoping to attract.
2: Well, they're they're talking to. For uh, I, I don't know. I can't I can't mention names. Uh, but I know that they are uh, very active in doing that. Uh, they set up this oasis. Yes. Uh, you know thing that that is uh, going out to kind of headhunts. You know, big no, top notch companies, and they have a KPI of uh, uh, 100 companies, and 20 of them are top notch. Right. Uh, so uh, th- this is something that I have to say, which is very different from previous uh, policy address- addresses. Uh, what they have done this this year, they have set up uh, over 100 uh, KPIs. As as you know yourself, yeah. that in previous <laughs> policy addresses, they never dare to do that because you know these are performance uh, indicators for them, and 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 they really have to. Uh, you know to make sure that they are they're up to par, uh, but they are understood the
3: Now, you, you can 't name names and you said, and we understand why, um, but have they s- sought your advice and suggestions?
2: Uh, they do have to come to the legislative council to talk to people once uh, so often uh, and then right. uh, m- without mentioning names, but we talk about you know ways to actually attract these people, and for example. Uh, uh, that uh, st- uh, that land- landscape planning uh, proposal, we did actually uh, they actually they actually consulted us uh, before it was launched.
3: Right, I'm thinking in your capacity as associate dean. I mean, you're well, familiar they, they with come these
2: They come around to different universities, right. not 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 just ours. Uh, for example, like uh, uh, you know, one of the things that the government have decided to do is about this race one plus thing. Uh, which is the uh, the research academic uh, industry uh, sector, whatever <laughs> I forgot the name. <laughs> but that says about uh, about you know uh, uh, you know selecting some top notch research uh, from the different universities and help us to uh, to do technology transfer and to do commercialisation. Uh, they know that we have a lot of uh, you know research results, good research results uh, from the universities. But what we are lacking is commercialization and they, they really want us to do something about that. Ryan, and to do that, they, they also have to help us or we work together uh, to find industrial, uh, in, industrial supporters, to right. actually find an industrial lead uh, to hold the hands of the universities to get this thing done.
3: Something Ryan touched on, and I think you referred to it also, is this planning of a, a, a company may have particular requirements – um, and may want to lay out the, its site in a particular way, along the lines of maybe some of the campuses uh, in California, that a, a company has a comprehensive plan for its site, with housing, with research labs, and, and even entertainment.
2: Well, they did. When they, when they were showing the plan, they, the draft plan, they actually, uh, uh, they actually showed that as well, as, as just mentioned uh, the, the, r- roughly, roughly uh, on the northern part will be the INT parts, and then uh, on the southern part uh, it would be the kind of the uh, the residential area uh, and the kind of rec- re- recreation areas. So they did actually do that. They also talk about uh, r- uh, sort of you know rural or, or, or green uh, uh, proportion as well. Right, Ryan.
4: Well i think um if if you look at the plan uh if you look at the uh, the op uh, it's really a big step forward in terms of what you said providing a flexibility for the companies to build their own you know campuses etc. uh but i think uh the the, the whole point is uh, it depends on how far the government is willing to go because land is obviously an important part, but land is only one of the factors. Determining, determining whether a company will choose Hong Kong. Uh, you look at other areas, they have a lot of other uh, tools uh, to man- in the toolkit. Uh, for, for instance, they have concessionary tax rates, they have t- tax deductions, you know, subsidies, low-cost loans. So all these are the tools that would be available to attract you know, the companies uh, overseas. And honestly, honestly speaking, land is only a, 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 a part of that. So uh, it depends on whether the government will have other you know, tools at their disposal
2: as well. I think, I think so. I think uh, the, the, we, we are working very hard on INT. I'm, I'm, I can only say about INT. Huh? So the uh, innovation technology sector, if you look at the, the previous uh, policy addresses, the, uh, they, they do actually offer uh, you know, many, many such packages. And one of the things that uh, you also have to look at uh, since the uh, setup of the bureau. In uh, 2015, November, uh, the, 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 the direction or the strategy of, of INT policies uh, changed. Before that, before 2015, bef- before the Bureau, uh, we are focusing too much on upstream or uh, the upstream part, university research. But uh, since 2015, uh, the, there's a change of direction of pooling. Uh, well, we are looking at the downstream part. Uh, to create demands, so uh, which which is a big a, a picture the creating demand thing, including what just have been said, like tax incentives, creating markets. You know these are these other things. Yeah. Uh, but I also want to mention uh, about this uh, uh, direct land grants uh, or or restricted uh, tendering. But when we mention these other sort of thing, a lot of a lot of our a lot of the laymen think that wow, it actually not our our style of of doing business. In Hong Kong, we talk a lot about laissez-faire, you know, a small government, big market. Mm. But these sort of ideas only work in stable or well-established economy or or trades. When you look at government policies in in, in promoting economy, uh, there are two parts of it. One is government-directed, and the other one uh, is uh, market-driven. So it really depends on the choice of the government or the strategy direction of the government. Uh, when you're promoting innovation and technology, which is something very high risk, you cannot just leave it to the market. I mean, the government has to come in. But the point I just discussing here is about how transparent we are when we are doing this sort of thing. How can we do the, a good governance? That's what it is. To avoid what, we, what has happened uh, you know, 10 years ago uh, with CyberPort.
3: OK, well, a bit more than 10. But yes, it's the principle of the thing. Exactly. The now, principle of the in my experience, sort of thing, foreign yeah. companies will only go to a place for one reason, and that is to make a profit. Yeah. Uh, if they're not going to make a profit, they ain't going to go. It's that simple. They're not going to get on the bus. Now, what is it? Everyone knows this. So what is it that Hong Kong is doing that's special that will be, give us an edge over, say, Malaysia or other places in Southeast Asia?
2: Well, there are two sides uh, when you look at, uh, not just the int business, but, but we talk a lot about uh, the, the mainland market and the international market. Uh, from the uh, mainland market side of it, then this, uh, Hong Kong will be a hub uh, for international uh, investors or international companies coming here, trying to tap into the, uh, the mainland market. And the other way around is also true uh we we see the 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 economy the int uh, industry is growing uh very fast in the mainland uh they are actually looking for opportunities internationally so that's what they are doing uh they can make use of hong kong as a hub to do that
1: hmm. okay
4: I think, uh, to put, sorry, uh, I think to put sorry i think put the, the biggest advantage that we have is co location uh hmm. so ideally if you look if you if your company is you know is setting up in hong kong not in the and ideally you can have both the mainland market and the international market and ideally you can tap into you know hong kong you know ipo capabilities upstream you know research capabilities and and you you can also tap into uh, the, the the commercialization ability in the gba so, so that the, the whole concept is, is centered around this sort of co-location you know advantage that uh, hong kong has
1: Mm, Great, yeah, All right. good we'll stay with us, we'll talk uh, a little bit more about this um, when we come back we're going to take a short break now for a news summary and uh, a couple of announcements Um, we'll also talk a little bit about the uh, environmental factor as well Um, it's now uh, a quick look at the weather, it's uh, hot with sunny periods uh, and the outlook uh, uh, showers and a few thunderstorms at first uh, tomorrow showers will lessen gradually sunny periods in the following few days currently it is 30 degrees, humidity 74 percent.
0: New summary with Ben Che. A government pandemic advisor says the current COVID outbreak is expected to peak in around three or four weeks time. Professor Ivan Hung from the University of Hong Kong says even though there are more than 10,000 new cases a day, most are relatively mild. The commander of Ukraine's ground forces says he's visited the front line near Bakhmut, which Russia claims to have captured after months of fighting. General Oleksandr Sursky said Ukrainian troops were attacking on the flanks of the ruined city, aiming for a tactical encirclement. And a spaceship carrying Saudi Arabia's first female astronauts to the International Space Station has taken off from Cape Canaveral in Florida on a private chartered flight organized by the Elon Musk-owned company Axiom Space. Rayena Bernawi, a stem cell researcher, and her colleague Ali Karni are the first Saudi astronauts in decades. I'll have more news at 10.00.
4: Early diagnosis of HIV infection followed by adhering to treatment, the HIV can be suppressed and sustained at an undetectable level. The chances of transmitting HIV through sexual intercourse will be negligible and using a condom will make it extra safe. In fact, HIV patients can also live normal lives and have healthy uninfected babies. Learn more at AIDScare.com.hk
1: Looking for a part-time job over the summer holidays or after you graduate? It's cool to pick up some cash and gain work experience but you've got to think it through and avoid doing dangerous jobs. My friend got hurt working last summer and he's not fully recovered yet. A few months pay isn't worth it, you know. So be sure the
2: job is something you can do safely. Call the Labor Department hotline 2559 2297 and check it out.
0: You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 23388 266 and have your say.
1: And welcome back to Back Chat with Mike Rouse and me, Jim Gould. And this morning, uh, we're talking about the plans for the development of a major at, uh, information and uh, innovation and technology hub at uh, San Tin, up in the Northern New Territories, uh, on the border um, opposite uh, Shenzhen. There, we have uh, with us uh, William Wong, who's a legislator and associate dean of the engineering faculty at the Chinese University, and uh, Ryan Ip. Uh, Vice President and Co-Head of Research with the Our Hong Kong Foundation. So um, we were saying uh, just before the break, uh, Professor Wong, um, uh, John Lee did say in his policy address that he wants to expedite the whole plan. You've said uh, you, you it's important to get things going as soon as possible. Um, what's the best way to sort of move things forward quickly. I mean, for instance, uh, under the timetable, land formation work is due to begin uh, in the final quarter of next year. I mean, um, are are things going as quickly as you would want to see?
2: It could be faster, I guess. (laughs) Always faster. It should have happened yesterday. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah. uh, but uh, 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 the the planning has been, is, is going on for some time. And in fact, uh, as you read from the policy address, uh, the first three buildings would actually come in place uh, in expected to be in 2024, first quarter 2024. And then uh, uh, the rest of the buildings, accordingly, should be sometime around 2027 uh, uh, in the Chau uh, area. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so uh, Chau loop area. so uh, And the other thing is that uh, before that happened, uh, what the government has planned to do uh, is to uh, rent to build uh, or some 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 places uh, over on the uh, in the Shenzhen side uh, to start the business first, and this is ongoing already. Uh, so I think uh, they know that the, the 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 land development part of it may take some time, but I think the government is trying to uh, to buy time uh, to buffer out, uh, like for example. Uh, to actually start doing some work on the Sun, Sun, uh, Shenzhen side. All right? And, and it happened, and, and I did actually comment on, on that move also, and I think this is a good move as well. Uh, because what, what, when we're doing business, uh, any business, uh, INT business in particular, uh, there are a lot of different rules and regulations between the two sides. So uh, at the beginning now, if we were to start our business over in the Shenzhen area, uh, that means that we are facing, uh, you know, the Sunshine side rules and regulations. So we, we will have to adjust hours to accommodate that. So this is a kind of sort of sandbox idea that we are actually, you know, tuning ourselves uh, for the future market in the mainland. So, uh, you know, by the time we open ours in 2024, perhaps we can bring back these sort of experience to our, to our legislations in Hong Kong. And maybe make suitable, cha- uh, appropriate changes to, to our laws and rules.
4: Ryan, I, I want t- yes. Uh, I, I think the timeline of Suntec is actually a lot faster uh, than our previous NDAs. If you compare mm-hmm. that with Hong Shui Q or Ku Tong North, it, it took like 20 years. <laughs> so if you compare that with Suntec, Suntec was actually quite fast in terms of you know the planning and land formation. But what I'm raring now is. Like I mentioned before, it's really the trying for infrastructure because the, the 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 northern link, which is supposedly linking the Sun Tin, and all 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 the other railway, is is not going to complete before 2034. And like like we said before, the first batch of population is going to probably going to move in like 20, uh, 25 something. That means uh, these people going to be there without, uh, the railway for like. Ten or eight years, so uh, that that is not a
3: really mm. ideal situation. Right, well, Ryan, I wanted to ask you about the public mindset here because in Hong Kong, we we tend to thinking tends to start from central and distance from central. And Somehow, we have to get people to think in terms of Hong Kong as part of Southern China, as part of the Greater Bay Area, and this. Uh, pole, magnetic pole that's going to draw people to uh, Shenzhen or just adjacent to Shenzhen. But,
2: but, but, but I, I, I can what? not completely agree to that. I mean, sure, that we, we, we may have to do some more work in actually cross the border. But in terms of the northern part and the southern part, I mean, the northern part for the past 10 or 20 years uh, has been built up this technology, Image or technology culture. So uh, when, when you said that I'm a scientist, I work in, a, I, I work in new territories, I don't work in the northern part, it's very natural. I mean, which is very, very different 20 years back. You know, everybody seems to be all, you know, centralized in
4: central.
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, and well, uh, I, I understand that, in fact, the reality on the ground is changing. But mm-hmm. I'm just wondering whether our planners and the public at large have adjusted to that.
4: Yeah, we, we, we used to have this sort of central perspective in, in, in the sense that we're central in the central is part of Hong Kong and then the northern new territory is actually very far far away from Hong Kong. And so that in the past we, we we put a lot of things that we don't want in the new territories like the landfills, you know, <laughs> like the slaughterhouse etc. And I think that has to be changed because the new territories actually account for 90% of the whole territory in Hong Kong. So 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 these, this, this is a part that we have to better Utilize And if you think about it, this whole central perspective has been creating a lot of problems in Hong Kong. The, the first, the, the most prominent of all is sort of this home job imbalance. We have all the jobs in Central, we have all the jobs in Kowloon, and he, we have half of the population living in the new towns, in new territories. So every day, half of the population has to travel you know, like one hour, two hours to get to their work, and then one hour and two hours to back to their home. And this Sort of massive commuting is not really ideal in terms of the planning perspective in terms of you know creating extra extra burden to our transport infrastructure so so what this hopefully can do is hopefully to create another you know economic center of gravity in the northern part of Hong Kong so that we can balance things out so exactly. that people living in the northern in, in, in new territories do not have to travel. One hour to their work, they have to take only need to travel like you know ten, fifteen minutes to their workplace. So, so that create a more balanced approach in terms of you know in terms of the planning. It the, the,
2: the strategic wise, I think uh, that's the government is doing. If you read from the uh, a policy address, decentralisation, the northern path. But I also want to want to mention one more point is that while we are developing the northern part, we also have to change the mentality of Hong Kong as itself. Uh, the cross-border part is also very important. Not Because look at, look, look at the landfill part and the, and the wastage treatment, treatment project. People complain in the northern part, in, in the Shenzhen area. Uh, well, we, we decided that, as just mentioned, that we have the, we have the habit of you know, putting these dumps you know, over in the northern part in the new territory part. And across the river is Shenzhen, and they are the CBD. And mm-hmm. that happened... Uh, there were a lot of complaints from there. In the, in the future, we have to
1: take into account of what they feel as well. Mm. Okay, good. Uh, th- there is, of course, uh, the environmental factor uh, to this project. Um, um, we know that um, the, the whole Northern Metropolis plan has uh, environmental uh, uh, safeguards um, built into it. But um, uh, we're joined uh, on the line by another guest now. We've got uh, Toby Lau, who's a senior manager for uh, Biodiversity and Conservation Policy with WWF. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Now, of course, uh, WWF uh, runs the Maipo uh, uh, Nature Reserve, among other things. Uh, um, Tell us um, what are your concerns about um, prospects for the environment and wildlife and that sort of thing?
5: Yeah, Okay. thank you. Um, The project, I think is a development-led proposal with massive site formation and one fourth of the development is located at the center of the deep bay wetland ecosystem, I think mm-hmm. we are, all this will impose impact on the biodiversity and the ecological value in the centin area, and even the Ramsar site and the deep bay wetlands. Mm-hmm. And uh, in particular, we have serious concern on the filling in of some ninety hectare fish ponds for building the IT Park, INT Park. Mm-hmm. Which is which is located within the okay. wetland conservation area. Um, we view this point filling is in direct contravention of the precautionary approach and the no net loss in wetland principle, with the intention to protect the ecological integrity of the deep bay wetland ecosystem as a whole. And both approach and principle have been adopted by the town planning board in its planning guideline 12C. Well, and uh, since this some 90 hectares is located at the centre of the system and half of the fish point in the sun team will be gone, it will break the whole system apart mm-hmm. with the total north of the wetland area together with their ecological functions at one time. And uh, this valuable um, Land Use Planning Control System, that is the WCA and the w- WBA, was built in the 1990s by the government. And now it seems that uh, the government is going to apart the system herself right. rather, than, uh, rather than any developer. And, uh, and the other thing uh, I would say is that in the WCA, New development will not be allowed unless it is a conservation project or an infrastructural project of public interest. But uh, the proposal, uh, which I, I, I say it is uh, innovation and technolo- technology related, or as what the other speaker described earlier in the, in the program, in this program, it is an industrial development project. Mm. Yeah, is as, as such, uh, it is unlikely fit into these two conditions.
3: Right. Toby, isn't this an inevitable part of urbanization? I'm um, sorry? Well, if we're going, uh, Hong Kong is uh, becoming closer to Shenzhen in the sense of our links and we we're going to be working on each side of the border we're going to be we are already studying on each side of the border the border is melting away and in a sense we're urbanizing greater shenzhen mm. isn't that an, inevitable the the in environmental implications you're talking uh, about I,
2: I i i i actually involved in uh, the development of the log ma chow loop since 2005. Yeah. Yeah. And at yeah. that yeah. time we talk about the the concerns that were just mentioned I just I, I think we are slow, but I think the government are are, are not, not uh, are very enta- uh, they, they 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 do look at that. They are they are very uh, cautious about these green factors, uh, and they did actually. In fact, in fact, when, when we were discussing in 2005 about the Lok Ma loop, they said that uh, we have to do a lot of survey, and by the time we start our development it with 2020, 15 years later. And at mm-hmm. that time, when I was younger, I thought that it was actually not very economic it 's not, it's not, it's not right for economic development but but that 's what the government did. They actually spent a lot of time in studying about uh, these environmental issues as also so i don't know maybe, maybe maybe to i, I don 't know i 'm not experts in that area uh, uh, may, may, maybe the, 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 the other speaker may think that this is a bit too slow, but well, I just want to mm-hmm. mention that. The government did actually pay attention to that.
1: Okay. Uh, uh, Ryan Ip, of course, we're talking about a balance here between uh, um, development and, and conservation. Um, Ed, is the balance right, or is it uh, too skewed one way or another? Well, I
4: think yeah. it's understandable yeah. that there Ip? will be... Uh, you, you can you hear me? Uh, yes, yes. Right? Hello? Yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, I think it's understandable that um, there will be concerns about the environmental impact. And But that being uh, said, so currently, there are very few... Uh, private landowners who have the incentive, you know, or the professional knowledge, for active conservation. So, so hopefully with, uh, with, with that planning from the government, uh, that can actually create an opportunity for proactive conservation. But however, uh, given that uh, some of the lands will actually encroach into the, you know, wetland areas, uh, I think, uh, the bottom line is, you know, we we have to look at the design. Uh, the and also the height of the building, they ha- they have to be very carefully designed mm-hmm. in order to minimize uh the environmental impact. For, uh, for, uh number one, number two, uh we believe uh whoever is doing this project has to you know you know you know also actively you know you know enhance the biodiversity of the rest of the wetland so that uh, hopefully we can create a better balance between development and conservation.
5: Mm. Okay. okay uh, Tur- yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I. think the major impact of that pond filling is the permanent loss of the ecological functions and area mm-hmm. of the related fish ponds. It is a, it is a permanent loss, not just a temporary loss. And how how we could recreate or to compensate to compensate such loss is questionable. Yeah. Mm. Because development resulting in the loss of the fish pond will reduce the food source to the birds, mm. and the mm-hmm. developments adjoining the fish pond with disturbance with disturbance impact will lead to a reduction in bird usage, and even yeah, there are about uh, twenty fishmen uh, are operating operating their fish pond uh, commercially, and they will lose their livelihood, mm. yeah, mm. as well. So. And, and even the proposal had mentioned, I mean the discussion paper had mentioned to compensate the loss of ecological function through restoration and conservation. Mm. Uh, I, I, I must say that it would be wrong to count existing fish ponds as a compensation site for such functional loss because the existing ponds already have had their ecological function. That may not be the same as, or similar to the filling, uh, to the filling in points. Mm. Besides, the loss of the fish pond area has not been tackled in the proposal. Mm. So this is this is our our worries, Mm. and and (coughs) this is not convincing for 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 the Minister to. Buying such a proposal.
1: Okay, okay. Well, I mean, it's an issue that uh, we we will no doubt uh, return yeah. to in Have to future. come up with this uh, one again. Uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, uh, ongoing. Okay, um, thank you very much to uh, all of our guests uh, this morning. Uh, that thank was you. Toby Lau, you just heard, Senior Manager of the, for Hong Kong Biodiversity and Conservation Policy at WWF. Uh, thank you very much to William Wong, Lawmaker and Associate Dean of the Faculty of Engineering at the Chinese University, and uh, Ryan Yip, who's uh, Vice President and Co-Head of Research at the Our Hong Kong Foundation. Uh, thank you all very much. <laughs>
6: 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong.
5: I'm Gilly of Consumer Council. Happy birthday, RTHK, for your 95th anniversary. May I wish you always filled with positive energy, continue to discover and report accurate, impartial and objective consumer news for consumers to shop smartly every day.
1: 95 years of public service broadcasting.
0: Stay tuned tuned with with Hong Hong Kong. Kong.
1: And for the uh, last uh, 10 minutes or so of this morning's programme, we're going to turn our attention to a different uh, topic. And that is the launch of a trial run of a digital version of the local currency. It's called the EHKD, E Hong Kong dollar. And the idea is that in future, uh, there will be a virtual coin that the public will be able to use t- to go shopping, uh, eating out, uh, transferring money, that sort of thing. And it will work um, locally and um, and also work um, on an international, on the international stage for uh, uh, international payment settlements and things like that. I mean, to tell us more and give her her perspective on it, we have uh, on the line Rita Lee, who's associate professor at the Department of Economics and Finance at Hong Kong Xuyan University. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, so, um, how, this digital currency, how is it going to work exactly?
6: Well, uh, actually, for the uh, digital currency uh, in Hong Kong, that uh, it uh, uh, it works something that is similar to the uh, uh, some something similar to what we have got the Hong Kong dollar, but now it's turned into digital form, and then uh, in uh, take programmable payment as an example. Whether account holders can actually designate in advance uh, where the funding source that they would like to have used for the certain categories such as like always running uh, routing the gasoline purchases to like rewarding uh, earning card or they can select this, uh, the funding source that allows transactions so artificial intelligence and also machine learning can play a role in um, uh, recommending the, uh, the uh, ideal way uh, to pay in particular situation and lifting decisions from the card holders while optimizing the cash flows. And then uh for the digital version of the Hong Kong dollar, uh uh that they uh, uh that is a kind of like uh uh central bank digital currency uh that they recognize as a legal tender. So uh, uh uh there is something for which that it is uh some people may also compare it to the, the kind of like for example the stable coin, uh which is like very uh very stable uh as much more stable than traditional cryptocurrencies. And then, uh, however, of course, uh, in case of uh, the uh, digital currency issued by the HKMA, that's uh, much more, even much more stable. And then uh, they uh, not suffer to like high fluctuation that we have seen for the bitcoins, for example.
3: Right, Richard, I got to ask you: What's this going to mean for ordinary people? Are we all going to have a, an e-Hong Kong dollar account, maybe with the Hong Kong Monetary Authority? What, what's it going to mean for the guy in the street?
6: You mean uh, for those people who are on the streets, so what does it mean for it, like if they have got an e-account for the e-Hong Kong dollar? is that what well, you we'll, mean?
3: Will we all have one?
6: Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so uh, we will all have one. And then if we talk about those uh, digital currency that we have seen for e-wallet, for example, if we try to compare with that, so uh, the digital currency uh, issued by HKMA, they are regulated and issued by the Central Bank of the uh, of uh, Hong Kong, uh, that is the like, de facto Central Bank of Hong Kong, that is HKMA. So they can be like supplement or replacement to the traditional fast currency. So unlike the very currency, which they are uh, 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 for the uh, uh, central bank digital currency, they purely exist in the uh, digital form. And then uh, for the e-wallets, they are payments that allow people to use a smartphone or the computer to shop online and then transfer at the physical stores. Mm-hmm. So each, wa- uh, each e-wallet allows them to add value on the e-wallet through, like for example, debit card and also credit card and a better account or some designated uh, channels like convenience stores and also automated uh, uh, machines. <laughs> so unlike the central bank currency, it is a bit more efficient for customers that uh, doesn't require to have got an intermediate link with the other bank account when, uh, with the online payment system, such as, like for example, Alipay and also WeChat Pay we have now. But it's more significant on the government side because it allows the government to have more visibility into real-time transactions and bypass the traditional banking system, like, for example, uh. uh the charter ban or whatever when they make the transactions so a regular uh, customer transactions with the digital currency would be pretty similar to the online payment transactions with the alipay or wechat pay however when you use the alipay first of all you have to open the bank account through the normal bank and the traditional bank and then the bank will allow uh, will give you the electronic wallet and then you can upload it to alipay Alipay or wechat pay then you can pay for it so basically, you are still using a traditional banking system. But with the digital currencies, you don't need it anymore. So you just install the app, and then you can put the digital currency into your wallet. So there's no paper banking notes uh, to back up your uh, back, uh, back you up in the bank account.
3: I, I, I was already feeling one generation behind in all this. And you've now successfully made me feel two generations behind. I'm struggling to open my WeChat Pay account. And now you tell me i got to have this... Uh, Digital whatever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Can we have some kind of education, public education program? starting with people that's what, we, that's what that's what we're
1: doing now mike <laughs> <Is that
3: right? laughs> it's, 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 i just feel <laughs> more ignorant not rather well, than better educated no
1: no no, no, no. We're, no we're getting a very good uh, explanation here from uh, yeah. uh, rita lee but i'd like to ask you as well how um, how significant you think uh this pilot scheme is towards uh you know obviously hong kong has aspirations of becoming a digital currency hub um how much of a help is this going to be
6: well, uh, actually, the pilot scheme allows, uh, uh, gives us some opportunity for the Hong Kong financial institutions to experiment with and de- develop new digital currency products and also services that help us to develop some of the necessarily uh, regulatory framework, uh, technological infrastructure and industry expertise to support a uh, thriving uh, digital currency ecosystem. So, a successful e- uh, Hong Kong dollar pilot scheme can serve as a model for other countries and regions when looking it up into the uh, develop their own digital currencies. Mm-hmm. And which would ultimately contribute to the growth and also competitiveness of the city's uh, financial sector. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then because at present uh, there are like uh, 87 countries representing more than 90% of the global GDP, they are exploring wow. uh, the central bank digital currencies. Uh, like Jamaica, they launched in uh, June 2022, and then, and, and, and then it's the first central bank digital currency uh, to be ratified formally as a uh, legal tender. So that's all things that just tell us that, well, if we do not do that, we are actually not only uh, that we are not uh, in the in financial hub, but we are falling behind the curve. Mm.
3: India has also done, given, uh, I think, a billion people, uh, some sort of uh, operation in this area, hasn't it?
6: Yeah, actually, a lot of countries are doing uh, more or less a similar thing. So, no matter if it's in the UK, Sweden or uh, or like China. Uh, everywhere they are trying to experimenting with the uh e currencies. The main reason is that uh, when uh during the COVID, we found that when we want to have got a content uh, kind of like currency, and then uh, there are a lot much more online trading activities, and then we may find that for example when we use like uh. Uh, where we use like the, the cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and also Ethereum uh, for transactions, like for example NFT, there's uh, the, we have got a lot of like risk behind that we have got some of the e wallet that they have got problem, for example. Mm. Uh, but then if we try to use like e currencies, it means that they they are under the control of the central bank, and they uh, theoretically speaking, then it should be much more safer because uh, actually the central bank need to uh, need to uh, they, they they have to have got a regulatory uh, responsibility on that, and then uh, they have. Uh, they should uh, do a lot more things uh, on, like, uh, how they, we can protect our customers.
3: Yes, I was coming to customer protection because a lot of people are suspicious about Bitcoin and the other, and the other currencies in, in that area. What, what assurance have we got that m- money in our account is not going to disappear?
6: Uh, yes, yeah, so that uh, actually uh, that is what uh, what the uh, regulation says that we have to do uh, one step ahead. The main reason is that now we have seen that for the uh, for the cryptocurrency that we're using like Bitcoin and also like for example Ethereum, we all have got a problem like, like well, who is the who who actually regulate this? So we have got a problem as like, well, we have got so many different kinds of cryptocurrency. And then I can tell you that even for me, I can issue cryptocurrency. But it's only a matter of whether or not that uh, there are a lot of people who trust that Dr. Lee can, uh, cryptocurrency <laughs> is uh, safe enough. And then uh, so that uh, if we try to pull on like by, uh, uh, by uh, like for example, Central bank that they issue their uh, uh, they issue the e-money. Then uh, it means that regulations will have to be like further adapt to the uh, to cover the uh, digital currencies. It actually is a kind of like moving force to push the people to push the government to like do some more thing on regulation uh, on the digital currencies. So okay. while the existing monetary regulations they may provide some coverage for the digital currencies, the unique characteristics of the digital currencies may require some of the new or updated regulations to ensure. Uh, consumer protection, defense fraud, and also money launch and maintain the
1: financial stability. Okay, stability. Great. Thank you very much, uh, Rita Lee, for speaking to us uh, on the programme uh, this morning. I'm afraid uh, we, we've run out of time. That was Rita Lee, Associate Professor at the Department of Economics and Finance at Hong Kong Yan University. Thanks for our listeners. Thanks very much to you, Mike. I'm going to focus on opening my
0: WeChat Pay account.
5: See you next Monday.